the Lord, and we're so thankful that you are here. We're thankful for what the Lord is doing in our midst. Amen. Let's give God praise for the construction that's underway. We ought to praise Him every time, every time we see it. Amen. And, um, and I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing. And, uh, you know, every time you look there to the construction site, just thank God and speak the name of Jesus over it. Amen. Speak the name of Jesus over it. Say, in Jesus' name, Lord, bless it all. Hallelujah. And he'll bless it in the name of the Lord. Uh, we're going to look to the word of the Lord tonight. I'm inviting your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 32. And we want to continue our uh, series on, on walking through the Bible and, and looking at the foundational scriptures that bring us to where we are. How many are thankful to be on this side of the new covenant? Praise God. Praise God. The new covenant of his great grace and his great mercy and his atoning blood. Uh, but there was a foundation laid that brought us to where we are. You know, God had a lot to do to bring man to salvation and to bring salvation to man uh, because man was so far from God. I think it's hard for us to truly comprehend just how far man was from God because of the fact that we find his presence so accessible. And by finding his presence so accessible, we think that it has always been like that. But it hasn't always been like that. There was a period of time in the scriptures where it says in the days of Samuel, when he was a young man, that the word of God was precious in those days. And what that means is the word of God was rare in those days. It means, not, it means nobody was hearing from God in those days. And here we hear from God every day. We just, we have this blessed communion with him. And for that, we must always be very grateful. So we look at this journey through the scriptures and we see these uh, foundational uh, monuments that were built and made and, and, and stepping stones that bring us to, to the Lord. Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to begin at the 24th verse. We finished our study last time on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We talked a little bit about Jacob, but I want to spend a little more time on it, and I want to talk to you about the journey from Jacob to Israel, the journey from Jacob to Israel. Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And so I want to speak to you a little bit uh, tonight on the subject, the journey from Jacob to Israel. <clears throat> this man, Jacob, of course, these two names mean completely different things. Jacob means supplanter. It, it actually means heel catcher or heel holder. Uh, the name Israel means a prince that has prevailed with, with uh, God and man as as uh, you see it outlined in this passage of scripture. Uh, so how did a man go from being a supplanter or a heel catcher? Really that name supplanter means one that, one that trips other people up. So he can make his way and gain advantage. And that's what he was trying to do even in the womb. He was trying to trip up his brother Esau. As Esau was being born, Jacob laid hold on his heel and was trying to prevent him from being the firstborn. And they'd come out of the womb like that. And the parents uh, found it apparently somewhat humorous and said, Wow, look at this guy. He's just a heel holder. He's a supplanter. He's trying right out of the right, right out of the gate into this world. He's trying to act or trying to try to prevent others from getting an upper hand on him. And or an upper heel, however you want to look at it. And so 
they called him supplanter. And you know, names have a way of, of staying with people, sticking with people. And actions have a way of staying with people and sticking with people. It's one of the great hindrances to people's walk with God that they do one thing, they're known for a certain thing, they act a certain way, and the next thing you know, that's how everybody knows them. That's how everybody thinks of them. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said that a prophet is without honor save in his own country. Uh, is not without honor save in his own country. And what he meant is that Sometimes when you are known by people, they know everything about you. They know all of your mistakes. They know all of your mishaps and mess-ups. And then you don't have a credibility with them to have a prophetic voice. Uh, this ought not be the way that it is in the church because we are a people of mercy. We are a people of grace. We are a people of patience and forgiveness. And so it shouldn't be that way in the church. Uh, anybody here that's perfect besides Jesus? Uh, I won't ask for a show of hands just in case somebody's not paying attention and they do raise their hand. I won't, I won't do that to you. Uh, there's nobody here perfect except Jesus. And all of us have sinned and all of us have come short of the glory of God. And none of us would be here if it had not been for the mercy of the Lord. And thank God the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Jacob was a supplanter, and, and he was a heel catcher. And one of the ways that this was manifested early in his life was when he and his brother had an interaction. His brother went out into the field to hunt, and, and he was an avid hunter. He was a man of the field. Uh, his name was Esau, which meant red. He was a, a hairy man, and his, his body was covered with a kind of a reddish hair. And, and so he was... He was a man of the field. He was very confident in his ability to hunt. Uh, it appears that that may be why Esau uh, went out into the field, and the Bible says he took no victuals or no food, no preparation for food with him. And it may be that because of his confidence in his ability to hunt so well that he thought no need to bring food because by the time I get done with what I'm doing today, I'll have plenty of food, and it didn't turn out that way. Sometimes we can have so much confidence in ourselves and in our own abilities that we fall short of the blessing of the Lord. We need to remember at the end of the day, it is the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. And so we don't, we don't have any kind of false pride. We don't have any kind of undue confidence. We, we put our confidence in the Lord. And that's what Esau did not do. He went out into the field had no plan, no preparation, comes back and he's nearly famished. He felt anyway that he was about to die. Finds Jacob. Jacob is preparing a, a food, a, a pottage, and, and it, was, it was just what Esau needed. It was just what Esau wanted. And he said, give me the soup or I'll die. Jacob said, that's perfectly fine. You want a big bowl? You want a small bowl? What, what uh, level of seasoning do you want it to be? And he got, his, he got his appetite all primed and ready for the soup and then switched it up and said, you got to give me your birthright. That was something Esau was not prepared for, but he was willing to give up the birthright. Now, this gives us an insight into both Esau and Jacob. It gives us an insight into Esau in that he had something handed to him that was so precious. But because he had had it all his life, he didn't know how precious it was. God help those who have been raised in the truth and don't know how precious the truth is. And God help those that have had any access to the truth and don't know how precious the truth is. Did you know that in this place and in this word that's being preached and taught right now is the most precious thing you'll ever find in all the world? And if the people, if the people of the world knew just how precious this was, they would be knocking down the doors to get a hold of it. And it is our responsibility to go preach the gospel to every creature. Do you know why you're here tonight? You're not here. Listen, you're not here because you didn't have other things you could do. You're here because you know how precious this truth is, how wonderfully blessed this truth is. 
That's why you're here. You need God to feed your soul. That's why you're here to listen to the word of God for a little while so that the word of God will feed your soul. And Esau lost sight of how precious it was. It was just something he always had. Didn't know what life was like without it. And so he said, sure, I'll let you have the birthright. Jacob got the birthright and Esau got the bowl of soup, which lasted him for as long as until he was hungry again. And that's the way that appetite satisfaction works. It's not a long-term satisfaction. It's only for as long as the food will uh, sustain you. And then you're hungry again and, and again and then again and then again. But this birthright is something precious, something that lasts forever. And now Jacob has it. So we learn from Esau, he was willing to throw it away for momentary satisfaction Jacob was willing to supplant his brother. And we, so we get a little insight into Jacob. Jacob is crafty. Jacob knows how to get what he wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. Jacob is a heel catcher. Later in his life, not long after that, we see it again. Jacob and Esau both are going to receive uh, an opportunity. Esau, rather, was prepared to receive the blessing from his aging father. His father's name was Isaac. And Isaac was, his vision had waxed dim. And Esau was going to go in and receive and retrieve the blessing from his father, Isaac. Jacob's mother, who favored him over Esau, Isaac favored Esau over Jacob. Not good to have favorites, mom and dad. But they did. And they, his mother, Rebecca, prepared Jacob to retrieve the blessing from Isaac instead of Esau. They were going to take advantage of the fact that Isaac's eyes had waxed dim. So Esau goes out. He's going to hunt. He's going to bring back prepared venison, serve it to his father. Meanwhile, his mother, who favors Jacob, is preparing a venison meal from a kid of their flock and is dressing Jacob up in, in a costume that is not really him. She's got hair on his arms so that he'll seem like Esau. Uh, she's got clothing on him that smells of the field so that he will, uh, he will have all of the uh, perception as though he were Esau. And they go into Isaac. And do you know that Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau and thought it was Esau? Now we see something here. Number one, we see that Jacob was willing to supplant. He was willing to be a heel catcher. He was going to trip up Esau again. He was going to get the blessing. Now, Isaac gave the blessing. Isaac was a patriarch. Isaac was a man of God. And, and yet he had one sensitivity that was off. That sensitivity that was off was his ability to see. And his ability to hear was just fine because he heard the voice of Jacob. He had the sense of taste that was perfectly fine. He tasted the venison. He had the sense of touch in perfect order because he could feel the hair on Jacob's arms. And, and his ability, his abilities to, to hear, to taste, to feel, these were all fine. The smell of the field, he could sense that. All of his senses but one were in good order. The only sensitivity that was not in good working order was that of vision. He could not see who was standing before him. And so it was one area of sensitivity that was off, and it caused the blessing to go to the wrong person. So here's what I want to tell you from that. Just because man and even men of God bless you does not mean God has blessed you. Men of God can bless a lot of people and and miss it because of one area of sensitivity that is off and and maybe they are so sensitive in every other way their sense of taste their sense of smell their sense of touch their sense of hearing it's all fine but maybe it's just one area of sensitivity that's a little off and they end up blessing someone that's not receiving the blessing of the Lord and that's what happened with Isaac and Jacob now the passage of scripture that we read to open this lesson tonight describes an encounter <laughs> that Jacob has with the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and, and he had to receive the blessing the right way. 
the real blessing of the Lord. Now, Isaac had given him the blessing of Isaac. But, but just because man blesses you doesn't mean God blesses you. And you'd better have the blessing of God. You'd better have the blessing of God. So Jacob goes through this whole experience, comes out of Isaac's bedchamber with the blessing of the Lord. And as he leaves, Esau comes in, finds out that Isaac has blessed his brother instead of him. He says, bless me even now. And Isaac said, I can't. Your brother has used subtlety and has taken away thy blessing. And in that moment, Esau made the connection with the name. And he said, he is rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times. He supplanted me in taking the birthright. He supplanted me in taking the blessing. Not only did he supplant Esau twice, but he supplanted Isaac. He deceived his own father. Now, Jacob ran for his life because Esau threatened to kill him. In running for his life, he was trying to get away from that person that he was. He was trying to get away from the way that he had lived. He didn't like being the heel catcher. He didn't like being the supplanter. So he runs for his life. He runs and he runs until he cannot run anymore. And he found a place to lay his head. He laid his head upon a pillow or a rock that he used as a pillow. And while he lay there, the Lord gave him a vision. And in this vision, he saw the heavens open and a ladder come down from heaven. We know it as Jacob's ladder. And this ladder was at the top of, of at the top of the ladder was the glory of God. And the bottom of the ladder reached down unto Jacob. Angels were ascending and descending upon that ladder. I'm going to point out a couple of things about this matter. That ladder is a ladder that extends from heaven to earth even to this day. Amen. And that ladder has at the top the glory of God. And that ladder at the bottom rung is wherever you need it to be. It extends down into whatever pit a person finds themselves suffering in. That ladder extends itself into whatever bar, extends itself into whatever prison, extends itself into whatever loneliness, extends itself into whatever self-loathing a person finds themselves facing. The bottom of that ladder will reach wherever a person is, and at the top of that ladder is the glory of God. And if you are in need of salvation today, I say get a hold of the ladder. Whatever wrong you can lay your hand to, get a hold of the ladder. Jesus said to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel said, this is amazing. He said, you are the Christ and, and you are the Messiah. And, and Jesus said to him, because I said, I saw you under the fig tree. You are ready to call me Messiah. He said, you haven't seen anything yet. He said, wait till you see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That was a reference back to Jacob's vision of the angels of God ascending and descending upon the ladder. Jesus was letting Nathaniel know, I'm the ladder. Hallelujah. I'm the ladder. I extend from heaven to earth. I come from heaven to earth. And if any man... Come to the Father. He can only come by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. I am the door to the sheepfold. He was letting Nathaniel know, I am the ladder that Jacob saw. I'm going to tell you something you're going to find out as we go through the Bible. Everything all these prophets saw had to do with Jesus. It was Jacob's ladder. Hallelujah. And it was, it was the rock that Moses hid in. And it was the stone hewed out of the mountain without hands. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It was the sword that took off Goliath's head. And it was the stone that hit Goliath in the forehead. Everywhere they looked, they were seeing the work of Christ, the work of Messiah. Jesus said, I am that ladder. And the angels ascending and descending upon the ladder, Jacob is witnessing the operation of the kingdom. 
you know, it wasn't just a pomp and circumstance. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the formation of a military uh, sequence and, and march. That's not what it was, the angels ascending and descending. You know, I, it sounds to me like there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. That's how I've interpreted that through the years. But I've come to know, no, that's the way the kingdom of God is operational. The angels are ascending and descending. They're ascending and descending even now. The Bible says they are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. They are a flame of fire. And God sends them to do his work. In fact, when Daniel prayed in old Babylon, Gabriel said, the moment you prayed, I was sent. What Jacob was observing was the way the kingdom operates. And if you could look into the way the kingdom operates, you would see a lot of spiritual activity occurring. Jacob saw it. He woke up. He said, how dreadful is this place? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. He named it Bethel, the house of God. And so Jacob experienced an amazing moment. He goes on to meet and to, and to work for a man by the name of Laban, who was actually a relative of his. And Jacob fell in love with his daughter, Rachel. Rachel caught his eye. He wanted to marry Rachel and Laban said sure thing you can marry Rachel just work for me for seven years while he's working for Laban for seven years I mean strenuous labor he's doing so with the idea that he would be able to marry Rachel at the end of those seven years he finds out that at the after the wedding not at the wedding but after the wedding that it wasn't Rachel he was married to it was Leah and Leah was a far cry from Rachel in terms of beauty. And so, lo and behold, the supplanter got supplanted. He said, you can work for me for seven more years. He works for him seven more years. Now, he's going to marry Rachel. And this is what he did. Now, he then works for Laban six more years, a total of 20 years. And, and let me tell you something. Laban was a seemingly a toxic individual, if you please. He was a person that was abusive. He was a person that exploited folks. He was a person that, that was abusive to Jacob. Uh, Jacob was, kept himself at a high level of integrity, but Laban would change his wages at random. He would, he would make promises that he wouldn't keep. He would, he would uh, just, it was an abusive relationship. And you know, Jacob stayed in that environment, and you have to wonder why. Well, I'm going to tell you why Jacob would stay in that environment. He stayed in that environment because he felt like he deserved it considering all the supplanting he had done himself. And that's what happens to people who make mistakes, who supplant others, who have a track record, and they begin to feel condemned, and they start to think that they have it coming to them. And so they stay in an environment that is abusive, that is full of toxicity, an environment that is, uh, that is uh, very suppressive of them. And they do so because they know all the harm they've caused others. They just figure they've got harm coming to them. I want you to know God wants to deliver you from that type of thinking. We don't need to expect the worst. We need to expect the blessing. We don't need to expect some kind of a tragedy to unfold. We need to expect the goodness of the Lord to unfold. You need to approach every day saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Jacob finally gained enough courage to step away from Laban after being with him for 20 years. That's a long time to be in that kind of a... A manipulative relationship between he and Laban, his father-in-law, his employer. And, and so he said, you know what, I can't take it anymore. And he leaves with Rachel and Leah, and Laban takes off after them, finds them. They have a confrontation, and Jacob says to Laban, I can't, I, I can't uh, work for you anymore. This is, these are the reasons. You've done this, you've done that. Laban begins to counter this, and finally Laban says, let's Let's have an a agreement. And he said the word Mizpah. And Mizpah means the Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent from one another. Now we, 
we take that and somewhat romanticize that a little bit. And, and when we are absent from loved ones, we say, Mizpah, the Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent from one another. And what we mean is, we love you and we can't wait to see you again. And may the Lord keep us when we are absent from one another. What Laban was saying, though, was, you better not hurt them or the Lord will get you. That's what he was saying. Mizpah, the Lord watch between me and thee. I may not be there to watch you, but the Lord will be there to watch you. It was not, it was not the greatest relationship, but Jacob was, was willing to move away from this situation, and he was ready to embrace the newness of his life. And I'm going to tell you, you've got to do that when you serve the Lord. You've got to embrace the newness of life. Let me remind somebody today, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That means your old mistakes are passed away. That means your old addictions are passed away. And that even means your old relationships that were toxic and influential on you to cause you to sin... You let them go. You don't run with the same crowd. Amen. You don't run with the same crowd. Somebody said, well, uh, you know, it, they, they like to pretend that it's uh, some kind of a bad thing for people to move away from the crowd they once ran with. Well, when that crowd has you addicted, you got to get away from that crowd. When that crowd puts you in environments where you backslide, you got to get away from that crowd. You don't be overcome with evil. You overcome evil with good. And if you're weak and aren't able to stand strong in those places, you've got to know your limits and move away from that crowd. Amen. Amen. You've got to part ways with those that do not share your values in serving the Lord. Make not provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in an environment where you're going to be lustful, where you're going to fall into old addictions, where you're going to become bitter, where you're going to be resentful. And it can be a lot of different environments. If you're in an environment and that old gossip devil starts to, to creep back up on you, flee. Get out of there. Don't be a part of that. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Hallelujah. You want to know why, you want to know why some people don't get excited about that? Because you've never walked in the newness of life. Yeah, I know you repented, you were baptized, you may even got the Holy Ghost. But you've never walked in the newness of that born-again experience. And the newness, you're trying to hold on to things from the past. You're trying to hold on to looking the way you used to look and acting the way you used to act and talking the way you used to talk and smoking the stuff you used to smoke and drinking the stuff you used to drink and going to the same places you used to go to. You've got to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Let God do a new thing in you. My God. You can't enjoy the born-again experience if you keep playing with dead things. This is why the Lord said that they should not touch the unclean thing. But you've got to, you've got to, you've got to stand in, in, in the glorious liberty of Jesus Christ. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jacob parted ways with all of that. He didn't want to live under the oppression of being held under that shadow of who he used to be. And do you know that he tried to make amends with his brother Esau? Last words he heard Esau say were, I'm going to kill him. And Jacob believed that and decided, Esau and I probably don't need to meet up anytime soon. But he reached out to him, hoping to have some kind of a reconciliation. He, was, he wanted to make things right. He wanted to stop being the supplanter. And, and so he and Jacob, or pardon me, he and Esau were going to make this connection. And word came to Jacob that Esau was on his way to meet him with 400 men. That cannot be good. 400 men. And the last thing he said was, I'm going to kill him. I don't care how far I have to go. I'm going to kill him. 
mark it down. I'm going to kill him. Jacob gives him his address. Next thing you know, you got 400 men. And, and he starts to worry like just about anybody would worry. And you know what he did? He started making plans. He divided his family up. And, and he, he sent some of his family that way and some of his family that way so that if, if Esau got to one of them, he wouldn't know about the other one. And Jacob would have some family left after this great massacre was about to take place. He was convinced that the worst tragedy of his life was about to unfold. That's what happens when you live in condemnation and you don't walk away from your past. See, that's the beauty of walking away from your past is that the devil can't hold it over your head anymore. And you can walk away knowing I'm free. I am, I am not who the devil says I am. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. The devil's got the goods on you. You need to know that he has kept records. And the blood of Jesus has, has washed away the sin stain from your, the record of your life. But, it, but the devil's still holding on to that old record. He's got a carbon copy and he can't wait to show you every chance he gets. What you used to do, how you used to be, who you used to be with. And you just have to walk away from it. And have faith in the blood of Jesus. And have faith in the name of the Lord that is a strong tower. Praise God. Somebody said, how do I, how do I get over this feeling? You Listen, you've got to serve God with or without the feeling. You've got to understand, you, might, you, you have to accept the fact that I may never feel a certain way you you will you will but but if you're waiting for it to happen any second you, you're going to be you're going to be obsessing about it and it's going to consume you you just walk in the spirit you just walk in the spirit you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh let it happen the way god wants it to happen let him order your steps he's going to take care of you you'll you'll have this so far behind you and you'll realize look what the lord has done look what the lord has done and you'll be able to testify of the goodness of God and how he has washed you clean from your past. And here Jacob is finding out Esau's got 400 men. He divides his families up, sends them off into various respective places, and then he goes for a little walk. And while he's on this walk, he's around the Jabbok River, and he's just kind of sloshing through the water, and he's talking to God, and he's wondering, what in the world am I going to do? Everything's about to collapse all around me. Life is over, and something jumps from somewhere out of the shadows of eternity a a manifestation of the presence of God Jacob Jacob said I, I've I've seen God I've wrestled with God an angel of the Lord a messenger of God I, I, I these are the ways the Bible describes it and and this this figure jumps out and grabs a hold of Jacob and starts wrestling him. And the Bible said he wrestled him all night long. Throwing him down in the Jabbok River. I think it's interesting that he's there in the Jabbok River. Because that, that gives me a little, it, it just kind of puts me in mind of baptism. Because that's where our name was changed, was in baptism. And it's just interesting that he was next to a river when he was having his name changed. Hallelujah. Because when I step down into the river, when I step down into the waters, hallelujah, and my old man wrestled with God, hallelujah, and my old man died in those waters and was buried in those waters, I came up and that supplanter that was buried in those waters never got up again. That heel catcher. Never got up again. That, that person that used to deceive and cheat, that person who used to fear and doubt and dread just got buried in the water and I came up with a new name. <laughs> Jacob goes down into that fight, that battle with that angel, that, that manifestation. And, and as he's wrestling with this messenger from on high, they wrestle all night long, the Bible says, till the breaking of the day and that hollow of his thigh was touched. It was put out of joint. This was severely painful. And as Jacob is dealing with the hollow of his thigh being put out, touched and put out of joint, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord said, Let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, 
I will, I love this. I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, this is something we have to understand about the trials of our life. Is that, is that you don't need to let go of it until the blessing comes. I want to explain what I mean by that. We are so quick to try to, try, try to unwind ourselves from, from whatever trial we find ourselves facing. And we'll take the easiest exit ramp. We'll just get out of it as soon as we can and run and hide. And all that's going to happen is something else is going to jump on you and fight you. And it's going to fight you until you let your name change. Until you prevail with God as a prince. That's, listen, that's who you are. And that's what God knows. Don't you know that the trial of your faith is not to destroy you. The trial of your faith is to reveal to you what God already knows about you. I'm going to have to, I just, uh, Hosea chapter 12, I want to read this to you. Hosea chapter 12 and verse 12. I want to show you something, okay? And, and this, is, this is something you, you need to recognize. Hosea chapter 12 and, and verse number 12. This is what the Bible says. Jacob fled into the country of Syria. Everybody say, Jacob. Jacob fled into the country of Syria. And Israel served for a wife. And for a wife, he kept sheep. The interesting thing about that is that his name wasn't changed to Israel while he was serving for a wife. And while for a wife, he was keeping sheep. He was Jacob the whole time. But Hosea said, Jacob fled and Israel served for a wife. See, that's the difference between Jacob and Israel. That's the difference between the old you and the new you. The old you is one that flees, runs, tries to get away from every little challenge that props itself up against you. But the new you, the Israel, the Israel... And, and he was called Israel while he was ser serving for Rachel. You see, what, you see what's, what's happening here is that as Jacob, he's running from his past. But as Israel, he's pursuing his future. You're still running, but it's a different, there's a different momentum and there's a different purpose for the run. As Jacob, as old fleshly Joel, I was running and dodging and ducking and trying to not die and trying to survive and hoping that nobody found me out. But it's different when, I'm, when I tie into the purpose of God for my life. I see the beautiful blessing of the Lord in front of me and I start pursuing. I'm still running, but it's not from a past. It's toward a future. And what we understand about this is that while he was pursuing Rachel, he was demonstrating who God had always made him to be. His name hadn't been changed to Israel yet, but Hosea said Israel for a wife kept sheep and served for Rachel, served for a wife. And, and so, so this, he was demonstrating already the principles of Israel because he was prevailing as a prince. For those seven years that he labored, he was prevailing as a prince. For the seven extra years that he labored, he was prevailing as a prince. For those six years that he was enduring Laban and he was trying to make it through and he kept his integrity intact, he was prevailing as a prince. And the whole time, he was feeling like nothing but a heel holder, a supplanter. But God said, no, I see Israel in you. And I'm going to bring Israel out of you. And I'm going to fight you until you prevail with God and I'm able to tell you who you really are. Do you know that if he had let that angel of the Lord go, he never would have known his name. He said, I will not let you go till you bless me. He had an opportunity to get out. There are so many people who are on the cusp of victory, but they get out. I have seen, I've seen more people backslide right before they break through. I've seen so many people turn their back on God just when God was getting ready to open the windows of heaven upon their family. And God will give you a little exit ramp. He will. Do you know that his disciples were on the boat in the middle of a storm? And he was walking on the water. 
and he would have passed them by, the Bible says. But they called out to him. And I'm going to tell you something. You can have the blessing of the Lord, but he's not going to force it onto you. You've got to lay hold on eternal life and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so, so here is Jacob becoming Israel. I will not let you go till you bless me. What is your name? God already knew his name. God knew he was a heel holder. God knew he was a supplanter. God knew he was a cheater. God knew he was a deceiver. But now he has to, he has to tell God. He has to confess it to God. He has to be honest with God. God says to me, what is your name? And I look at him. Reverend Joel Urshan. That's not what I want to say to God. My name, Lord, I'm nothing without you. Lord, I have nothing without you. I need you. You are, the, you are the breath that I breathe. You are the song that I sing. You are the healing, Lord, that my body needs, that my heart needs. You are the salvation of my soul. Without you, I have nothing. And that was the honesty that Jacob gave to the Lord that day in that wrestling match. I am nothing. Don't ever lose that honesty with God. The Lord draws nigh to them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. The Lord saveth such as be of a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Don't ever lose that honesty. No matter how many times you talk in tongues, no matter how many demons you cast out, no matter how long you live for God, regardless of how many blessings come your way, you always let God know, without this moment, without that power of your touch, I'm just Jacob. But the Lord said, you shall no more be called Jacob. You are Israel, for as a prince, you have prevailed with God and with man. And that day his name became Israel. Hallelujah. You know, we went on to meet Esau the next day, and he's bracing himself for this battle royale. He's bracing himself for this, this uh, fight with his brother. And, and he's bowing himself, bowing himself, bowing himself to meet with Esau. Bows seven times before he gets to him. And when Esau sees him, he just runs to him and embraces him. And doesn't even care about the lost blessing. Doesn't even care about the lost birthright. You're worried over something that won't even materialize. You're worried about something that has dogged your mind because of your own condemnation. And you think that there's something out there waiting to catch up with you. You fail to understand the grace and the love and the mercy and the power of God. You don't have to be afraid of your past. You don't have to be afraid. I know. I, listen, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to explain to me what you used to do. I know we've all, none of us want to talk about what we used to do or who we used to be. What you need to do is rest in the goodness of who God is. Hallelujah. And have that name change encounter with God. And, and the New Testament name change encounter with God is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, Jacob would, would struggle with this going back and forth between who he saw himself to be and who God made him to be. He saw himself as the supplanter. He saw himself as the healed catcher. But God saw him as the prince. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 24. Now, we're going to talk about the sons of Jacob later, but you need to know about Jacob's sons. The most heartbreaking experience that he had was losing Joseph. And for so long, he thought Joseph was dead. It was heartrending, and 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 then to know that, to know, and and I, I just you know, there's so many things to talk about here. I'm just going to say this: it's interesting to me that the joy of knowing Joseph is alive was so great it it outweighed the resentment he could have had toward his other sons. 
They robbed him of so many years. But the joy of knowing Joseph was alive was a, was a greater weight in his spirit than was the resentment he could have held toward his other sons. He is struggling. They brought back evidence that Joseph had died. You know what their evidence was? It was Joseph's coat, the one Jacob gave him, the coat of many colors, and blood on the coat. In Genesis, in the book of Genesis, that was incontrovertible evidence. That was it. That's all that it took. The coat is ripped and there's blood on it. That means Joseph is dead. But if you ran that blood through a DNA analysis, you would realize it's the wrong blood. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost because you know what? The blood that is upon our life, it's not my blood, it's his blood. It's not the blood of Joseph, it's the blood of a goat. The blood of a scapegoat. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's the blood of the goat that on the day of atonement, if you please. It's not the blood of Joseph, it's the blood of the goat. And it's the blood of the lamb that covers the sin of our life. Jacob was heartbroken for years thinking that his son Joseph was dead. Genesis 45 and verse 24. So Joseph sent his brethren away and they departed and he said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. Now, he has long been Israel. And he's still being referred to as Jacob. Because he's still, he's still slipping back into that mindset. I'm a supplanter. I'm a heel catcher. Anybody ever struggled with that? In your walk with God? You know you're a prince. You know you're a, you rule and reign with him. You know that he's your God. You're his child. You know that you're the head and not the tail. You're the, you, you know that the blessing of the Lord is upon you. And you still struggle with thinking you're that person that you used to be. Anybody besides me ever dealt with that? Jacob's dealing with it. Jacob's dealing with it. And he's, and he's Jacob. They came unto Jacob, their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Jacob. Jacob doesn't believe him. Jacob is saying, no, I don't have any good thing coming my way. You don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know who I've cheated. You don't know who I've supplanted. I'm a dirty dog. I, I, I literally lied to my own dad when he couldn't see because his eyes had waxed dim and, dim and told him that I was Esau instead of Jacob. He believed me. I stole stuff. There's no way Joseph is alive. It makes much more sense that Joseph would be killed and I would live in grief and agony. There's no way that Joseph is still alive. That's what Jacob said. They told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. He doesn't believe them until he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him. When it happened, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived and Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Hallelujah. Jacob doesn't believe him. Jacob's heart fainted. Jacob believes the worst is coming. Jacob believes that every tragedy is going to unfold because that's what I have coming my way. Oh, but when the blessings of the Lord begin to make their way to him, the spirit of Jacob revives and he starts talking like Israel again. It is enough. Joseph is alive. Somebody needs to open their mouth and start talking like the Israel God made you to be. Somebody needs to open your mouth and praise God. Hallelujah. Like the prince you really are. Praise God. Not like the supplanter that the devil tells you you are. But like the prince that God has made you to be. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, open up your mouth and give him praise right now. Open up your mouth and give him praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, come on, I wonder if there's anybody that's ever wrestled with God and you know that the blessing of the Lord is upon your life. Praise God, praise God, praise God. 
Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me and lift your hands with me and praise the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Receive his word. Believe his word. Give glory unto his name. 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 Praise God. 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 I want you to know something tonight. Israel in Genesis 32 was a man. But that man named Israel gave birth to 12 other men. And those men became Israel. Israel was one man to start with. But Israel was 12 men. Hallelujah. And then Israel became 12 tribes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I want you to know that's exactly what happened when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus came on the scene. Glory to God. And, and, and that was the body of Christ. But then that body of Christ was imparted into 12 men. And those 12 men preached the gospel to every creature. Glory to God. And now there's a holy nation. A holy nation. That is the body of Christ. The Israel of God. And I, and I want you to understand, I know there is tension tonight in the Middle East. And that there is a great, great uncertainty developing over there right now. But I want you to know that God of Jacob will defend them. The God of Jacob will defend them. The God of Jacob will defend them. And when Gog and Magog begin to make their move and Armageddon begins to unravel and unfold onto the scene, you hear what I'm telling you. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And he will rise up to defend his people. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to be in that number. I want to be in the number that is the people of God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Hey, I don't know where you are in your journey from Jacob to Israel, but don't you let go. Don't you let go until the blessing comes. You hold on because the blessing is on its way. I'm glad you didn't stop serving God. I'm glad you've held into the fight. Keep holding on. Keep fighting. Keep wrestling. Because the name change is coming. Because the blessing is coming. Because the glory of the Lord is coming upon you and upon your children and upon their children as well. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We were in Sacramento, California last week, my brother and I. And we had preached there 23 years ago together. And, and we went back to preach there last week great church the rock church bishop wilson pastor young wonderful friends great church and and a young man had sent a bible with his mother we were doing an interview and and she came forward to us and said i want to i want to show you this bible and on the inside of the bible was my signature and my brother's signature from 23 years ago and next to them was my grandfather's signature from before then and I looked at those three signatures and I just paused for a moment and I thought of every battle between then and now and I thanked God that I've held on and I'm going to keep holding on. And I looked at my grandfather's signature, and, and I saw that signature, and there was so much in that signature. It was more than a name. It was more than his name. And with every stroke of that pen was a, a man who had weathered the storm and had fought battles, came out victorious. And I thanked God that he held on. Hallelujah. And now my little girl is going to have a baby soon. I've got to hold on. And my nephew and niece are going to have a baby soon. We've got to hold on. You've got children and grandchildren coming. You've got to hold on. You don't get
to quit. You don't get to stop fighting. You've got to hold on. Israel, it's more than just a man. It's 12 men. It's 12 tribes. And the God of Jacob will defend you. Hey, I don't know. Jesus could come back tonight. Jesus could come back before 2021 is over. But he might not come back till 2050 or 2200. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We've got to hold on right now. We've got to hold on until the day we die or till that trumpet sounds. We've got to live for God. We've got to stand strong. We've got to hold fast the profession of our faith. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody reach out and grab a hold of him right now. And hold on and don't ever let go. I know you might have a limp. I know that you might be struggling. You might feel pain. I know that you might be hurting. You hold on and don't ever let go. Hold on for your marriage's sake. Hold on for your children's sake. Hold on for the church's sake. Hold on for our city's sake. Hold on. Hold on. For the battle. Belongs to you, Lord, a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Hold on just one second. I remember the first time I heard this song. The first time I heard this song was just when COVID was breaking out. And, and it broke out. One of the first breakouts we were aware of was in Chicago, Illinois. It was during a men's conference. And, and there was a weekend revival. And one of our very dear, precious preachers, Brother Eli Hernandez, got sick from that weekend revival. And, and he ended up succumbing to the COVID virus. And it was devastating. It was devastating. And I remember the church that was holding the revival started singing this song. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. It sounded so empty in that moment. It sounded so empty in that moment when the whole world went dark. When, when, when nobody knew what was happening around them and confusion abounded. But the voice of the redeemed pierced the darkness and said, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. And here I stand a year and a half later saying, we've seen victory. We've seen victory. And we're going to keep seeing victory. And I rebuke every devil that tells you otherwise. We're going to see the victory of the Lord. We're going to see the victory of the Lord. I want somebody that needs victory in your life to lift up your hands and sing this song unto God. Sing it with conviction. Sing it with faith in your heart. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the
Turn it for good. Woo! Come on, believe that. Believe. 